I thought it was a four because I was so withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so unsure and felt kind of helpless, felt like Plus, what people describe fours as. Plus but, it's the three thing of that. You weren't three enough to be a three. Which is such a three thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when David described how six and nine can augment three, Uh, in the sense of adding that self-doubt and the dissipation that comes with nine that helped me pinpoint that I was a three and then allowed me to start working on myself as a three. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-prez, pulled a five-wing, four, five, eight, trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-prez, sexual, nine with one, nine, seven, four, trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an eight-wing seven, sexual self-prez, with eight, five, four, fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-prez, social, three-wing four, with a If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe us on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Welcome back to Big Hormone Enneagram. Today, we're going to keep going with our TriFix series, but we're going to get into some more nuances with fixes and stems. And we're also going to talk about why the fuck is TriFix and TriType useful and how do you use it for your own inner work and self-understanding. Before we do, I fortunately need to give some plugs. I have lost my employment due to COVID-19 complications. So I'm going full steam ahead. And I have a book that I've been writing for about four years now. It's on the instinctual drives in the Enneagram, and that's what it's going to be called. And uh, I'm going to self-publish it, and I'm going to start some kind of crowdfunding, Kickstarter, Patreon thing, because I don't want to wait forever and for publishers to get back to me. And I'm going to have little uh, offerings in terms of like bonus things like uh, that I'm still working on and, and my own website with articles and information about the Enneagram and stuff you probably won't find elsewhere. But the book is about the instincts and it's the instincts, not just in terms of what they are and how they are as type, but in terms of uh, their implications for inner work, how they're connected to the other sensors. Um, so I talk about the passions and the virtues. I talk about each type, all 27 type instinct combinations. I talk about essence, personality, and I get really deep into the Gurdjieffian fourth way sensibility and what it means to really spiritually develop. How is spiritual development not just an improvement of getting a better personality, but how do you do the work on personality and the work on being together? So that's what the book is about. And so I don't have any dates or costs or anything yet, but just putting that out there so that, uh, you know, if you're interested, start thinking about throwing in some support. So anyway, buy John's book, everybody, when it comes out. If you listen to the last call that we did, we did a how-to guide on what it's like to have each fix in each center. And we kind of explained each one. And that was more about isolating each fix in each center. If you want to figure out what your tri-fix fixes are, the clearest way and the most direct way to do so is to go into each center and figure it out. But There are other ways to do that. And so when I was trying to figure out my own fixes, I had talked to David and he gave me like a whole menu of different ways of looking at it. And so today we're going to look at some of those. So one of the first things that we use at our um, Enneagram or Enneagram universe is the idea of fixes and stems. And that was- We're going to define fixes too. Yes. So David, you can tell the people what fixes and stems are. (laughs) (laughs) If you can. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> well, Warm words, fixes, Yeah. Warm words. Here we go. <laughs> well, fix is short for the word fixation. If you're just talking core types, for example, you know, if you if somebody's an eight or a nine or whatever, they have an eight fixation, nine fixation. You've got to fix in well, each center. I mean, and defining what fixation means, I mean, it's like a certain kind of tangle or what would you say, John? So a fix is, the idea is that our attention is fixated onto certain patterns. And so each Enneagram type represents a certain kind of fixation. Echazo, uh, who came up with the term fixation, was primarily referring to uh, the problem of the mental center. To differentiate from the problem of, the, the egoic problem of the heart center, which is the passion, 
So the fixation, as he understood it, was like, you know, the certain repetitive thoughts or habits of attention that the mental center gets caught in. But in terms of tri-fix, fixation is a bit more broad and it, it means just like where you're fixated in terms of your attention and energy in the particular center. So when we're looking at a fix, when we say a fix, it can either mean your dominant type, but generally speaking, when I was to say like, oh, my five fix means the um, type in my mental center that shapes my thinking out of five, six, or seven. So mine's five. And then my body fix, right? It's like how we express ego boundaries through the lens of eight, nine, or one, which are three different types that are you know, about how ego boundaries are maintained. And so I have an eight fix. So that's like my attention and energy, so to speak, is uh, fixated on the eight space. And then I'm a core four. So it's my, I don't really say this is my four fix, I'm my dominant type, but this is sort of how our lingu- language goes. And then stems is any two uh, of the fixes within the trifix. They form sub-themes. And one of the things we'll talk about is how they kind of, uh, in some sense, oppose and augment, for example, your core type uh, in certain ways. Yeah, when, when I talked to you initially, I never heard of stems before. Uh, I was considering the combination of whether I had a three-fix or a four-fix. And so one of the things that helped was, okay, you're pretty sure you have a five fix. So if you look at the combination of five and three together as a stem versus the combination of five and four together, you can kind of come up with uh, some ideas of what that would do to a core eight. And so it's a good question. Is like, what happens when you put five and three together? What qualities intersect between those two types? And that's, that's what stem is trying to uh, describe. Yeah. And then each of those, uh, any stem is going to ping various of the different triads, such as five and three. If we were looking at that, that's a competency thing. And so, you know, you can look for a strong competency theme if you were to have a five and three, for example. Let's just use Nancy as an example. Look at her fixes and stems and you can sort of like show people how it works. So Nancy's... Three, three, six, nine, core three. So, I mean, one way to do it is comparatively, right? You know, if we were trying to find the head fix, just looking at what three and seven together would do, or three and five, again, you've got a certain kind of competency thing with three and five and with seven assertiveness and more overtly optimistic, uh, fun-loving, Which as opposed as opposed to the anxiety piece that comes in with six and questioning, doubt, et cetera, which looking at it relative to three, it's somewhat of an undermining feature for three, right? The sort of basic uh, self-confidence and sort of uh, psychological athleticism, I call it, right? Six is having you question your steps, you know, out on the field, so to speak, right? And then nine is a kind of, as a feature relative to three, is taking away some of the thrust of three, like one or eight fixes would be, those are pretty pushy and, you know, there's some considerable force with both of those in their own way. Whereas nine is sort of self-dissipating, self-dispersing kind of energy. I don't know if that... uh, Oh, that's good, but you should talk about the six and nine stem because you did the three and six mm-hmm. and then the three and nine. So what's, what's, what is the six and nine stem? So six and nine is combined. You get a few things. One is a sort of fairness theme, you know, like level playing field. So in some sense, that's, again, a kind of undermining of threes, you know, upward trajectory. And also six and nine combined is a, is a certain kind of self-doubt, self-questioning, a kind of uh, needing to justify taking up space. Yes. Uh, yeah. Whereas as compared to three, which is, you know, again, if you could isolate three unto itself, has a certain kind of confidence and uh, willingness to be seen, right? And upfront. Yes. And so what was interesting to me about this whole idea of fixes and stems is this concept that David came up with of sub-themes. And so as a three, those secondary fixes of six and nine forms a sub-theme that opposes uh, Nancy's three. Like you just explained, like that self-questioning, self-doubt, stutter-stepping opposes the self-confidence of three. Yeah. 
and there's probably ways that it, you know, augments some parts of three, right? To the degree that three has some relationship to the collective and acceptance and so forth, right? There's always going to be a mix of both. There's going to be things that are detrimental about the the stem that sort of opposes your core type and things that augment aspects of it. So like Nancy, do you see your secondary fixes adding or taking away from your threeness? Uh, I think it definitely makes me not typical for a three. I think it takes away my threeness. I I like some of the things it adds, but yeah. I think like it, what? Um, I mean, like the focus on fairness and being a little less focused on self. Like I like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it also makes me kind of sluggish and lazy and second guess myself all the time, so. So you feel like six and nine really is oppositional, yeah. more so oppositional than otherwise. Yeah, it makes me feel my my stem, my six and nine stem, it makes me feel more like a six or a nine than it does a three. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing, too, that's interesting is uh, when the fixes go along some of the natural lines in yes. the symbol. So like that's one thing that's significant with in Nancy's case is that it's matching the triangle and matching her uh you know in the old Riso Hudson uh, schema the disintegration integration lines mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people kind of get confused about that kind of fixation when it's on your lines because they're like well how do I know the difference between yeah. that being my line or that being my fix and I mean it's usually pretty obvious from the outside looking in but I know that just confuses a lot of people how do yeah. you determine that from the inside. Yeah. I had that question because I have a line to five and and uh what people don't realize about the lines of connection is that sort of similar to the wing, it's built into the function of your type to mm-hmm. be cycling through having qualities of the lines of connection. So it's it's not like, oh, I'm gonna go to five today and be in that <laughs> zone all day. It's like your type structure has going to five and going to or for me as an eight, going to five and going to two built in like it's it's something that i'm drawing from on right. a moment-to-moment basis versus a fix is more about a different center and where your attention is going or how your attention is shaped in that center which is a completely different thing i think a lot of times people make a big deal out of um the lines of connection they don't understand that it's working on a continual basis it's not like i'm just going to go hang out at this line of connection today or for a period of time it doesn't work that way Right. I feel like it's more like minute changes versus like your fixes where it's more of like, this is how your body energy shows up Mm -hmm. every day. And this is how your head energy and this is how your heart energy shows up every day. So, yes. I mean, these are really good points and it's a really important question because, yeah, it's like one of the main confusions I see in folks typing as four that aren't four is like, well, I'm a four at two right now, you know, <laughs> because I'm very <laughs> yeah. friendly. And, and it's like a four at two doesn't look like a two. They don't, you know, oh, yeah. four at one doesn't look like a one. They look like a four at one is a four that's more in their body. And you can sense themes that are similar and you can sense values that are similar and ways that the fourness is being informed by the two or the one. So like I have an eight fix and when I go to one versus my eight fix, it's like my eight fix is always, as we spoke in previous call, like the, the body fix is always the, the engine that's pushing the type. So I've always had kind of an eight-ish push, you know, in contrast to other fours, but the movement to one, it's not like a change of engine. It's like the eight engine is still there, but the values around which I'm inhabiting that, that are informing what I'm doing, inhabiting my body and why I'm doing that. And my sensibility of like where my locus of attention goes changes completely through the lines of four going to one. So they're both body types that I'm accessing, but one is a perpetually sort of there push to my four personality versus one is something that I get into when I'm get out of my inner entanglement. Like uh, Nancy mentioned, it's an energetic quality. Like when someone is eight fixed, that's an energy that you're going to sense on them, like the sort of push that they have physically is there all the time. Whereas when type four goes to one, you're not going to feel an energetic shift of uh, rigidity in their body. It doesn't manifest physically, you know, even though their attention might go there. Well, like Alaria has a one fix and moves to one. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you can feel the quality of the, like there's always this sort of in the best sense and the worst sense, this sort of pickiness to her personality with the one fix before. But when she moves to one, there's a certain way of taking action and mm-hmm. being principled and disciplined and moving towards a goal that's not normally the home of four. It's a four 
getting into that healthy one space or reacting out of frustration in the in the in the one space also but it's a different thing than the way that she's overall holding her energy and body yeah people bring up the lines of connection a lot and um that's something that maybe we should talk about more in another pod but i I don't think people really understand how the lines of connection work and what disintegration and integration means, but it's something that people reference a lot when trying to identify what their type is. John, would you say more about health, disintegration, integration, and where you are in terms of the traditional RISO thing on that? Yeah, it's kind of a, a, you know, a broad topic. So I'll try to be as concise as John can be. Yeah. But um, so yeah, this has come up a couple times lately in, in discussions I've had on the Enneagram with people about health and what health means. And you know, people often mistake health with attitude and functionality. And health as a concept is just important to understand before talking about stress points because they're deeply involved. So Don Riso came up with nine levels of development within each type, three healthy ranges, three average ranges, and three unhealthy ranges. And people generally mistake health to mean kind of what we normally mean by health, meaning like positive and functional and kind of, you know, able to achieve your goals and whatever. But in terms of the Enneagram, what health is really describing is your ability to be present in all three centers. And so you can be very happy and very functional and deeply and healthy. And there are certain types like three, like seven, even nine, two, um, eight. These types, uh, they can look very happy and functional and be deeply and healthy. One thing too, uh, or, real quick, is our sense of healthy, of what healthy is itself is coming from certain types. I mean, what the collective yes. thinks is healthy. And so that's why the way you would describe for healthy, for example, um, might not sound healthy, to, generally speaking. What people consider healthy is a is a type based perspective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instinct and type to get you know. Yes, like true. We have a lot of those themes running around, and so you know, like uh, what what culture white people from mm-hmm. northern climates versus <laughs> like you know uh, people that come from cultures that are around the equator have a different sense of what healthy looks like and how it functions, and so yeah, you know, uh, North American Northern European cultures are like get a lot of shit done that's healthy where you know even mm-hmm. even though uh north americans have like chronic stress and heart attacks you know <laughs> yeah being able to accomplish a lot and i'm not just shitting on threes being active is not necessarily healthy we're all fine don't worry about it we're all just dying from stress <laughs> yeah yeah the, our whole country is is falling the fuck apart but you know <laughs> but don't anyway. worry about it <laughs> most people assume that they're fairly healthy but the reason Risa called the average levels, levels four, five, and six, uh, average is because almost everybody is always there all the time. And in fact, to be genuinely healthy, level three, two, or one healthy, this doesn't have to do with the Enneagram types of numbers. It's just to distinguish the levels. Yeah. Uh, is extremely rare to be level three or above. Sometimes uh, people get glimpses of level three. What level three represents is a shock point. It's a it's a leap between um, being identified with the personality at level four, which you can be completely happy and feeling pretty good and functional and whatever at level four, but at level three is ego transparency. And what that means is that you are present enough in all three centers that you can totally see the machine of your personality operating such that you're not identified with it because you see it's a pattern, that there's a way that you're so aware of the panopticon of your personality as a prison that you are not identified with your personality as it's operating, that you're a little bit rooted in your essence. And so in terms of the, the lines, the stress points, the movements between one, four, two, eight, five, seven, back to one, or nine, three, six, nine, those come into play predominantly, or they're most relevant in the average levels. So I'll take, I'll keep taking four because I'm a fucking four as an example. But generally speaking, the way it used to be taught was that as if you're four, you move to one in health and two in unhealth. Now, uh, and I think this is more accurate, that you, sh- you show signs of healthy and unhealthy movements to one and unhealthy and healthy movements to two. And these are how we deal with stress. Uh-huh. So when the personality is under stress and stress can mean a lot of things, it can be, you know, stress is not always bad. We exhibit some qualities from these other types. It's like we're drawing from them. And so um, when you're responding positively to stress, you move to uh, what was traditionally called the point of integration. When you rise to the occasion with stress in a positive way, you start exhibiting qualities of that line of movement. 
generally when you're under distress, you start to show qualities in the other direction. So four to two, eight, uh, eight, five, seven, uh, one, four, et cetera, or three, nine, six, three. So like as a four, if you're uh, being your self-absorbed moody self, you start isolating yourself and alienating everybody. Then you're kind of like, oh, I want some connection. I might reach out a little bit, but you're not going to look like a two, you know, so you're not, your person doesn't radically change. But then on the other side, it's like if you are in comfortable situation, like with your family or something, you might show a little bit of the negative side of that line to one or, you know, that whole direction. Uh, You might like as a four, you might get critical of your partner or whatever. So that whole thing is like a really important system to understand. And we should do our own call on that whole thing sometime. Yeah, yeah. So does that make enough of a differentiation between lines of connection and fixes? Let's say that like your fix is constantly there. Like you're not moving in and out of your fix. You're not moving in and out of your thinking center or your body center or your emotional center. Like the, the, the fuel to my personality is always from my body center is always coming through my eight lens. Uh The style of thinking and perceiving, like the very fundamental way I take in impressions is through the five ish in the mental center. Yeah. And I can feel the difference in my wing too, because I have a five wing and a five fix. Mm. You know, when we went through these different uh, individual calls with guests and we looked at all the different types, like it struck me how how big a factor the wing is in the flavor of the type. And yet it's like, you know, four with a five is a different flavor than a four with a three. But then the mental center is its whole other way I might engage in my thinking process that, co- that comes with the main type and wing. Yeah, that's this is something that we should we should definitely do a call on because. The difference between the wings, the lines of connection, and the fixes, I think you can, we can draw some pretty hard distinctions to make those clearer for people because that's a question that's a reoccurring question that comes up quite a bit in terms of people trying to figure out, like, how do I tell the difference between those three things? Like you're saying, like, it's a different thing to have a wing versus the line of connection. It feels like different qualities of, like, the fixes in each center that you, you can't, those, they don't move. The lines of connection feel like really situational. They're always in flux. Yeah. So here's another way to talk about it is, so you guys know me. Uh, Do we? Do we? I don't know. (laughs) You can see that I've got a seven fix, right? So um, what's the difference between me having, I mean, externally, so instead of doing internally, is there a way to differentiate when you guys think of me? when I'm going to six as opposed to my baseline seven fix? That's a good question. My experience of you and nines in general is that the six is sort of like the thing that the nine is trying, the personality is trying to like avoid or manage. And so Mm -hmm. when stress bubbles up, it feels like this six stress anxiety thing that the nine personality is trying to like keep in balance has bubbled up to the top. And so you ha- you get these little eruptions of, you know, anxiety or, or, or whatever kind of spazzing out that happens that's maybe a little bit uncharacteristic for that nine versus this your seven fix is more of just, just your thinking style. Like, you know, the way you express ideas, even if you were going through a stressful whatever time, that if you were to engage and express and try to conceptualize something, it would come out in these sort of super ideas and, and colorful, interesting, exotic bullshit that you're throwing out there, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Um, so that's, it feels well, like, yeah, you're stressed. You'd probably go away and, and seclude and, and try to manage whatever anxiety you've got going on. But if you were to express and conceptualize it, it's going to be in this seven style all the time. I want to just answer what David said about what I see in David, but, but for anybody listening, Part of it is just having the patience to observe and to continue not only observing yourself, but also continuing to challenge your fundamental ideas about what the types are, what they look like in operation. Mm -hmm. Like part of what can get in the way of people discovering their type or their fix or their instinct or whatever is a preconceived idea about their type or a type. And they get so they they can't think around the fixed idea. And Mm -hmm. so they start spinning in circles because, oh, I thought, you know, two looked like this or had to always be this way or that this was what five was really about or whatever. You know, that first impression image always gets stuck in people's heads. So like, let that go. But in terms of David, it's like, you know, uh, the STEM question is really important here, I think, because uh, first of all, David's always got that multifaceted view that he's offering when he's talking about something. And, you know, I mean, every time he sort of explains something, he 
he changes use the term kaleidoscope in uh in one of the other calls where it's like he's got this kaleidoscopic view but uh and there is this sort of anxiety at work in the sense that the seven has of not wanting to stay stuck in place but when it comes to david's movement to six under stress as as emica said it's sort of like the the sleepy nine kind of wakes up a little bit and like there's not as much playful exploration or escapism it's much more like what's going on Mm -hmm. trying to like uh see clearly and it and the anxiety is there but it feels sharper because it feels like it's not a natural comfort zone right the seven space in david feels much more like a natural thing so his i don't want to be stuck in any place kind of anxiety that's just there because of the seven it doesn't feel alien to him. And so I can see when he gets into a six mode, it feels much more alien. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, I just want to mention this thing that John had said about people not letting go of preconceived ideas of what the types are. Like I noticed this thing happened a lot because Trifix is really interesting and people really get into it. Is that people a lot of times start exploring Trifix under the assumption of the wrong core type. Like they, you know, you're still mistyping your mm-hmm. core and, oh, I think I might, be a seven and you're exploring all the possible seven trifixes when if that's not your actual type you're not getting anywhere so it's it's really interesting concept to play with but you know you really have to nail down the basics of what your core type is and sometimes trifix can give people some ideas on that but don't skip that step because you're not getting anywhere by imagining yourself into a trifix that you think you might be that's that's a great point because what i what i'll sometimes see is people get into trifix too early Yes. And they'll start trying to kind of almost make up their own types like, oh, well, because I'm a nine fix four, you know, I'm not really I'm like, this is how the kind of four I am. But it's like not nailing four, you know, right. It's like, right. They're trying to bring in too much modifying information. And, and with Enneagram, there's a core and you build out from the core like that. Your thinking is going to get totally fucked up unless you have a really clear three centered sense of a, the core energy, you know, like the pure color of your type. And then you can build out from there. You know, if you don't, you're going to think yourself into circles and start to just spin and not land anywhere. And this is an important point, which is going to lead into one of David's concepts is that let's say uh, a six has a nine, has a nine and two fix. Those fixes are going to be expressed differently than say a five or seven that has a nine and two fix. And so what the fixes are describing and why it's important to figure out what your core type is, is it's going to be looking at those fixes through the lens of the core type or through like for six through the lens of a a reactive type uh, versus maybe a five, which is going to be looking at those fixes through the lens of a competency type. And so sometimes people just get lost with these fixes and realize that um, it's going to be, you're going to be looking through uh, those fixes through the lens, what the core type is trying to do. Yeah, one thing is is like to your point, John, about getting into trifix too early. It takes some time to understand how tightly to clasp onto yes. fixes as far as how strong they are. And yes. I mean, that's a it's a <laughs> there's not really a way to quantify the quote unquote right amount of how tightly to hold those ideas. Um, but that's a piece of it is is understanding just in some relative sense, how, um, how much to factor them into the chemistry of your core type. Um, I think that's even true for the core type as well, just in terms of people might put a lot of importance as to what the core type means as what it's describing. Well, if I'm an eight or if I'm a seven and this means this, 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 and this, instead of, it just means this is a certain way that I'm paying attention or uh, certain psychological dynamics that I'm married to versus this is going to explain my whole life. Um, so I think that's something that people people tend to do with types in general. It's just, this is going to explain everything when it really only explains a few things. Yeah, I mean, I think what you both are saying is that when, you, when you're talking about through the lens of your main type, it's like the fixes will draw out certain traits and personality flavors in a, in a way um, that you're still like, like I'm not an eight because I have an eight fix. No one's going to mistake me for an eight. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, it's just very clear that I'm not a fucking eight, but it's going to highlight my reactivity of the fourishness. It's going to highlight, uh, my, like, I want to stand out and be different and push away from other people thing. It's going to highlight, um, you know, just a certain kind of being myself and not compromising that for anything. So that's going to be like really at the forefront. So it's not like I'm, uh, going to be mistaken for an eight or 
even a five, like maybe first impression, but like that's going to bring out more of the withdrawn, introverted and sort of symbolic thing of the four with the five wing anyway. You know, we talked about in one of the episodes, all right, you've got reactive types, you've got positive outlook types, you have competency types. And so when you put those two together and you have double, like double rejection for my personality, what does that mean? And how is that going to show up? Part of what's going on with the with the stems, it's and part of the reason why it's kind of like an advanced thing is that you kind of have to have a basic understanding of what each of the nine types are in in those triads, like you know, reactive types, uh, competency types, before you can really do stems. Because um, if you want to look at you know five and eight, you need to understand that those are two rejection types before you can understand the significance of what that stem means. Um, right. So. It's an interesting thing to do, but it's it, people are going to have to really get the basics, and before you can start playing with combining, you know, what what would a two and a and a six, what does a two add to a six? You know, that sort of question. Well, you got to know what a six and a two is to do that. Right. <laughs> like, well, what I think is interesting is thinking about what the fi- what your fixes are that are not your dominant type. And how mm-hmm. those two energies are related and then bringing those energies into your type instead of going, oh, what would a four look like with a one fix versus a nine fix, right? Like yeah, sometimes yeah. that can get overwhelming. But if you're like, okay, like I have an eight fix and a five fix, or that's what I think is my head and gut fix. Right. Uh, what do those do? What do they look like? What are the dynamics that those two share? And they got aligned to each other. Like, what does that mean? And so looking at, you know, in this case, two types that are double rejection, or they're both rejection types, so it's double rejection. How does the rejection structure add or take away from or bring out certain things of the four personality? And so, you know, just because I'm talking about my example, not to just be a fucking narcissist, but, um, you know, in contrast to other fours, like I'll see, like fours as a frustration type have this frustration that I can't function. And I have that too but I hide it pretty well under my double rejection thing, which is, you know, it's sort of like rejection types sort of offer something through the lens of the dominant center. So mind for the five and body energy through the gut. So there's a way I kind of like some of that, that four whiny, like I need help is, is a little bit either hidden or I just kind of march forward in my own incompetence and hit things on the way and and (laughs) try not to give too much airtime to that part of my personality. Whereas I've got a longtime friend who's, sexual self-pres four or the five who's got six and nine fixes and the i need help is huge for him yeah. <laughs> right yeah big time yeah whiny, that's whiny a whiny tears, tears. whiny tears <laughs> whiny tears my my friend is a whiny tears and he presents much more like tough towards his male friends and stuff but i so i asked his girlfriend I was like does whiny tears fit him and, and she was just like hell yes it does <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i guess we could talk about growth what do you do once you know your trifix personal experiences how about you go nancy what have you gotten from trifix how has that helped you to know that you're the eo or threes <laughs> how does that make me feel how does that make you feel well i think it originally helped me identify as a three that's right yeah i think that's what we used actually that was yeah well that's what you used because i i vividly remember i was driving through like this stressful ass road in like new mexico Mm. and you explained three six nine and i was like oh my god i'm a three um but i didn't tell you that um because it was no you did not no because i didn't i wasn't quite ready to say that i was a three but i remember being like oh shit i'm a three um because i thought it was a four because i was so withdrawn Mm -hmm. um and so unsure and felt kind of helpless felt like what people describe fours as plus it's the three thing of that you weren't three enough to be a three exactly i'm not i'm not successful and outgoing and all the threeness right so obviously i'm not a three which is such a three thing um (laughs) (laughs) so when david described how six and nine can augment three uh in the sense of adding that self-doubt and the kind of exhaustion and dissipation that comes with nine that helped me pinpoint that I was a three and then allowed me to start working on myself as a three. That's a really cool uh, story because it shows how useful trifix can be in explaining the sort of wild, not wild, but 
that's a pretty major difference from what people expect from what threes normally are. Mm-hmm. So it can really explain how people might, you might mistype yourself to some other type and think I'm not, I can't be a three because I'm so, you know, unsure and self-questioning and all, all that kind of shit. Yeah, it was, it was definitely super helpful in that sense. And it's just been really helpful to know that sometimes my self-doubt is just not real. <laughs> like, like yeah. I have self-doubt, but it's not rooted in anything just to know like, okay, that's my six. Like, good. And, and that brings up one thing too, is that certain trifixes can make people that are certain types think they are certain other types. And like an example of what I mean is I've seen it happen probably at least three or more times that a person who's a six, who's six, one, four, they'll think they're fours and there's a reason that that's that's a that is a more four-ish looking six because it's got the four and one it's got the it's got the frustration it's the nitpicky judgmentalism that's somewhat elitist and and all of that kind of stuff you know so one of the things right. for for listeners is that you can be any type you know what i'm saying it's like People will go, oh, I can't be that type because I feel this way or I experience myself this way. And it's like, you can be any type. So <laughs> don't just take one trait of yours and say, oh, well, this excludes me from being that type. Like, try that fucking type on. And yeah. Yeah. you won't know your own. T- like, even if you're correct about your type, you won't know your own type really what it is unless you're able to kind of inhabit what the other types are like and see what other fucking planets every other type is. So like... Uh-huh. You know, you only have your own eyes and brain to observe yourself with, which is going to be, you know, it's like you don't have another kind of equipment to try on. And so you're going to be like, as, as Nancy was saying, she was like, oh, couldn't be a three because I'm not three enough. <laughs> and like, we know Nancy is very three. So it's like, you know, it's these ways these biases can can prevent you from seeing yourself clearly. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of misinformation about what it feels like to be each type. Totally. Yeah. Just simple as that. I guess I'm still sort of discovering what Trifix is doing for me, but I, I realized recently that uh, the sort of perspective that my Trifix is always looking for is the assumption that there's always some kind of really complex thing that's behind the thing behind the thing that is terrible. And so if anything is presented and I don't see that, then I, I have to break that thing down to find mm-hmm. it. And so what I found out that what I've noticed over the years that this, the way this is affecting, um, affects my relationships or, I mean, sexual type romantic relationships is that let's say something is wholesome and seems good, then I have to ruin it. (laughs) I have to ruin it because this seems like the, the homeostasis that I'm looking for is where there's a really terrible thing that's underneath this thing. Or if something, if I discover that there's a terrible thing underneath a situation, all of a sudden, I'm comfortable with that situation, and I want to dig deeper and, and see how how terrible it's going to get. And I realize that this is a blind spot that I that my trifix has is that I'm pretty much like trying to push away from good things. <laughs> yeah. Um. In a way, and it's like I I don't think good things exist, and that there's always something terrible. So I'm either ruining it or being comfortable with bad things or things that aren't good. Um. And so just recognizing that this is, this is not real. This is something that I'm unconsciously creating for myself or looking for has been something that I've realized and trying to catch myself. This is how I'm distorting reality. Yeah. For me, nine, seven, four, one thing about it is it's one phrase I use is triple creative and creative is, I don't mean it in necessarily any good way, right? It's, yeah. it's, oh, we know. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's bringing creativity <laughs> to, to everything, to too many situations, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like I have to uh, elaborate or uh, make interesting, colorful, artistic, aesthetic kind of every single thing. It's sort of magical thinking. Right. So it's kind of magically creative. <laughs> right. I also think uh, it can be creative in the amount of ways things can be bad. Yes. It's yeah, like there's massive that too. doomsday plans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, with self prez and with the four fix. And then what, uh, and with nine and seven, I'm kind of having fun with how bad it could all be. Yeah. 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 You, always uplifting. Well, Talk to you, yeah. David. You know, don't, don't take this personally. This is just a funny <laughs> thing I observed, but like, 
David's tri tri type uh, trifix is it's like you know so four is very individualistic and seven is very selfish in mm -hmm. a lot of ways and me nope. first and then nine is sort of like doesn't always own their selfishness like they often think they're not so there's this little bit of like putting stuff on people and but kind of being like but i'm so charming and fun and interesting that doesn't bother you <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah so like what do i put on people like what do you mean yo dick uh, sorry <laughs> Sorry, it was just too perfect. I couldn't put it away. Anyway, Why go not? ahead. That's the only episode. I thought, I thought everyone would like it. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, I you've do. never done anything like like big or anything like that. Like no. nothing really annoying or big or anything. But you no. do. You know, like even like if there's a chat and you'll make like a like a sexual joke or something like that, and it's like aha, you know, it's like it's like, like there, there's this sort of like everything is a little bit playful and fun and magical in a certain way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely the most self-indulgent nine possible with seven yeah. and four. Yeah, definitely the most self-indulgent. Yeah. And it's and it's kind of sprightly tricksterish. Yeah. Like I'm gonna jump out of this if anybody tries to pin me down into something. Right, right. Yes. That's a big. That's a big one there. <laughs> I think for me, like so with trifix, it's been seeing those triadic combinations like that we mentioning and mentioned in a previous call of like rejection and attachment and frustration and you know uh reactive and positive outlook and super ego and aggressive and all those kind of things when you put them together you see what you're missing and what you are overdoing and so mm. for me like even just so we're gonna probably our next call or whatever we're gonna have a friend of mine on who's done she's a six and has done amazing work with the object relational structures and really great insights and her insights into attachment have been blowing my mind because I don't have any attachment types in my type structure. Uh -huh. um, one of the things I noticed, like, so my wife is Italian and Italians have a very social culture and they're very um, adaptive to each other. And they like to spend hours eating together and talking and stuff like this. And like, I am such like a sore thumb in in that culture like just without meaning to be like even if i'm trying to get along and stuff there's a there's just a reflexive individualism that i've got and a separating myself you know i i see more and more how like on on very subtle levels where i'm not compromising or i'm not going along with something or i'm resisting something for some weird sense of separation and and, and keeping myself to myself how not generous i am with myself and how um i kind of also have this thing where uh it's sort of a secretive thing where i don't let anybody really in like i don't really let them close and it's all based on you know like i, I have people i really love and then i'm i'm i would say i'm i'm close with but there's a certain level of myself i just don't ever reveal ever and and i attribute a lot of that to my types just sense of separateness and just this i think everybody feels this to a certain extent but I, i'm seeing how i reinforce it all the time like i'm doing it to myself all the time and so it's helped me like in an argument or something to bring in some positive outlook or to um learn how to relate to other people who like my mom is a triple uh a super ego type so two one six and so like adopting her point of view is so unnatural for me Yet learning how, learning these distinctions, how even my energy would read to her triple superego type, has helped me learn how to, um, you know, as Gurdjieff would say, like play a role, like to outwardly consider, to be able to stay intact inside, but outwardly adapt to other people in a way that's compassionate and and yeah, just help me see like my my tri type feeds into this story that the four is already playing really hard about separation individualism on levels I wasn't even aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good insight. Um, having a best friend who is a Bermuda 639, so seeing like his reactions to some of the things that I express is a good mirror for how harsh I can be or how much I just refuse to, I don't know, affirm people. <laughs> just yeah. like a normal day-to-day -day or like just a regular, you know, why did you just say no to that? You know, like you know, you like, like maybe from his point of view is like, you can just sort of massage that situation to be less harsh. And so just recognizing how that looks and feels to other types, like to an attachment type, it kind of helps me like, okay, maybe I don't need to do it that harshly. 
Yeah, so, so something else that uh, is coming up for me about this, you know, so we're talking about these triadics and how understanding these different triadic stems, basically, like if you have two positive outlook, like nine and seven, right, and you're trying to figure out which, trying to figure out their vibe, sometimes the terminology can get in the way of understanding what th- these things are actually describing. So like, just to give you an example, sometimes people will hear that they have two positive outlook stems or they have a positive outlook fix or something. And they're like, but I'm not a positive person. Mm -hmm. And part of the path of trying to understand trifix and stems and these triads themselves is that the words are, you know, all words in the Enneagram are really inadequate and it's not anybody's fault except the word's fault. And so getting beyond like, what does a positive outlook type do? And it's not that they feel good all the time or need to make everybody else feel better. Like I asked some nines a couple of days ago about their sense of what it meant to be positive outlook because nines, a lot of nines are pretty miserable and negative, but there's a habitual way they take a certain edge off of difficult material, or even if they're like suffering or, you know, reading an article or hearing a story about some kind of suffering that makes them suffer, they're still carry a kind of hopefulness that'll resolve. And that has the effect of, in a sense, dulling things, but also in a sense, it's a form of denial. And seven, nine, and two have different little subtle forms of denial to kind of take the edges off. And so it doesn't mean that they suffer less. It doesn't mean that their feelings are not as intense or anything like that. But there is a a kind of, um, of taking a certain edge off to you know, keep whatever status quo going. But that term positive outlook can throw people off. Mm-hmm. All yeah, of them, really. Just no. to, be, to be a competency type, like what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're just competent all the time. Like fives, as we all know, can be deeply incompetent <laughs> <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> but it's like, uh, you know, there is a, there's an orientation towards figuring out what the rules are, so to speak, and either abiding by them or throwing them out. But you like want to know what the system is. And it goes to show just how deep the Enneagram is that when you try to define something, that it's much more nuanced and subtle than the name can capture that you can't capture what a positive type is by just saying positive type because you have to really unpack exactly what that means so i think that's a that's a a step or something that people have to go through in studying the enneagram and learning about it is realizing that what the name is describing isn't what you think it's describing and you have to sort of get to that point with all the nine types before you can really see what trifix is because that's even more subtle. It's not, right. it's not as, it's even more subtle than the core type. So to recognize like, these are what these types are describing and it's much more subtle and nuanced than a one word could describe, or even, you know, the current descriptions are generally not as nuanced and subtle enough to really convey what each type is up to. Also getting away from flattering yourself, you know, uh, eight is a type that people kind of idealize or they shit on, you know, as bullies or, but mostly idealize or project ego ideals of like completely strong and completely competent and completely under control uh-huh. onto eight. And it's like part of the obstacle of impartial self-observation is either flattering yourself or trying to shit on yourself and just try to see what you're up to and what you're, what you're up against. You know, like, I mean, Emika and I's trifix combination is the most fucking stupidly idealized on the internet there was emika you sent me something about uh trifix descriptions that you found on some website somewhere oh yeah the the one where they were basically jerking off to four five eight yeah like because i searched for a specific trifix that i was looking for it was not four five eight and i they they barely they mentioned it like once and then like because i did the like the fine thing on the web page yeah. And 458 was mentioned 27 times. <laughs> oh my god. And it's like they probably never met one. But Right, right. Exactly. Other than that it's you know like like in terms of not self-flattery like with the, with the positive outlook that I was just talking about where you're sort of taking the edge off. Like our trifix is additionally putting the edge on for some mm-hmm. reason. Yes. And and it's not like in this broody cool way. Like it's just like we're make like it, make it terrible. Like make like it I, awful. <laughs> I can't accept a a good wholesome. This is something that bothers me because I realized that I could end up in a good, you know, healthy or whatever relationship, and I, I'm there's going to be a compulsion in me to want to fuck it up, you know, just to, just make it terrible because I don't I don't 
that's the not that's not the reality that I bought into. You don't know? trust good. I don't trust good. No, and like I mean, part of it is people my my relationships suffer because I don't say positive things to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't say positive things to people I care about, or they hardly know I think about them or anything. You know, and because right. uh, I'm like, well, like you know, I just am cynical about the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, you're not cool. Don't flatter yourself. It's yeah. There's nothing cool about psychological mm-hmm. dynamics. Like, I mean, I remember like the first time, oh, wait, four or five, eight people are just gassing this shit up so much online. I'm waiting for these creative abilities that are going to show up now that I'm a four five eight five four. <laughs> they never showed up. Well, so <laughs> I mean, like, that's a great point is like, don't idealize things because like, like, think about it. Listeners, who in your life do you like really think is as wonderful as you could imagine somebody to be? You know what I mean? Like nobody <laughs> lives up to an ideal. Everybody is kind of horrible and kind of just like doing their best and they take a shit every morning and they like, <laughs> you know, eat and their artwork is like pretty cool, but it's not that great. And like, you know, they're, they're having sexual problems and like, whatever it's like, they're aging, everything, everything's, you know, there's like no idealized figure. Like mm-hmm. that's what fiction is for. And that's what it's useful is like, you can project the ideal onto some character, but like, don't idealize yourself and don't idealize anybody else or any other type. Like it's not going to change your fucking life to meet some type that you think is like cool or wish you were or something like that. Exactly. I think we adequately destroyed traffic for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody sucks and life sucks. So great. That's a good starting point. You guys did your job on the four, five, eight thing. Everything sucks. Good job. That's great. Yeah. Great. Nailed it. I I realized after the last episode, somebody commented that was a brutal episode. I was like, what? (laughs) It's hilarious that you guys don't even realize it sometimes. Gurdjieff was really explicit about, and and he's totally right, of, of... the more that you see, the more horrified you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And if you're hiding from being horrified, and, and, and don't turn horrified into punishment, just like be horrified. Yep. And that creates the space for something else to come in. Yep. Like the more that we think we're healthy, the more that we insist that we're present, the more that we think we know what presence looks like, the more we're just ossifying and destroying it. Groovy. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Bye. Later, y'all. Later.